Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Starving Writers Guild podcast. I'm your host, MC. It's a pleasure to have you back here with us. So, uh, like I suspected, this did not happen at the bi-weekly schedule I wanted, so here we are. Let's just rush through everything. I uh, don't really have too much time to focus on all this, so I do need to get here before I go into work later tonight. Uh, so thank you all uh, for continuing to listen, especially, uh, once again, to our friends in Brazil. I just suddenly spiked there for some reason, so I'm immensely grateful for that. Uh, even if you're just making fun of me, I'll take it. <laughs> so uh, I'll skip what I've been watching as well because uh, I do... Uh, all the other news uh, I wanted to mention is that I was going initially to record today on the comics that I had been missing uh, the past couple of times uh, just to catch everyone up on what I've been reading and uh, all that. But it's just proven to be a lot. And not that I'm, I'm not, I am going to do it. But unfortunately, I just didn't have the time today, which was the only time I'd be able to record at the moment to do so. So sorry about that. It is getting done. I do promise. So thank you for your patience. But on to other matters. Uh, the manga I've been reading, let's go to that. Uh, Kaiju number eight, since I'm just going through the, once again, Manga Plus has it there at the top for whatever reason. Uh, excellent chapter this week. Um, the wedding. Um, actually, this was last week. But... Uh, the, the wedding scene was very poignant and the way that the kaijus just came in and were wreaking havoc throughout Japan was just stellar and uh, an army getting on the scene and uh, the response from everyone there was just perfect. A really enjoyable chapter of kaiju number eight. So moving we go to Black Clover. So it turns out I was completely right in my speculations of where Asta ended up. I mean, obviously we knew he wouldn't be dying, but he ended up in the Land of the Sun, where Yami is from, and he meets a Yami's childhood friend in this latest chapter. We've also met Yami's younger sister, Ichika. Uh, these two have been a very nice addition to the cast. I also appreciate the fact that uh, his, uh, uh, his name is Ryu. Um, so love the fact that he does not have magic as well, but is through the the use of this mystical eye is able to see things he wouldn't normally be able to uh, as well he's able to spy on the clover kingdom he's seen yami as well so he knows where he's at um, so i'd really like the way that they set up magic working differently in the land of the sun compared to everything i think ichika is probably going to prove to be a teacher for asta um, and probably is very angry that she hasn't been able to see her brother with whatever misfortune isekai'd him to the other side of the world so I'm really looking forward to see what Asta can learn here, especially since this is obviously where uh, Yami would have learned about the nature of Ki. And I, since you know Yami only knew so much, imagine what Asta could learn from them, especially we saw with Ichika's scene just how much she can expand her use of magic in a moment that blows Asta away. Excellent chapters from Black Clover. I mean, you want to talk about something that's immensely improved since it first started. Black Clover is the poster child for that right now. I'm way more positive on it than I ever was. So we'll go from there to Blue Box, where we have an excellent addition to the to cast, I'll say, uh, of the character of uh, Ayame. That's her name. Uh, initially, I was a little scared because I thought, oh, no, is she going to be just another part of this love triangle, or love quadrilateral at that point? for Taiki, but nope, turns out she has no interest in him whatsoever, 
and she's actually working with Hina now to try and gain Taiki's affections because she thinks Jinatsu, thanks to Karin, <laughs> the earlier Stephen Curry comment that they had made. Oh gosh, that was perfect. Uh, just using that as misdirection uh, for Ayame because obviously she doesn't want to know, let Ayame know that uh, Jinatsu likes Taiki because she'll just blab about it to everyone. So that's a team up I wasn't expecting. Excellent chapter of Blue Box. Just a lot of good fun. And next up on the docket is Boruto. And this chapter just dropped today. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is where it's going. I know I always get like this in Boruto, and I always have the I always know blah 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 speech. But this is just insane. In in the Boruto chapter today, this basically was an entire episode in one chapter, and that's kind of bad. But as far as pacing goes, because it's essentially a giant scene with Shikamaru talking to our our team with you know Konohamaru there and, and Kawaki and the gang about how well Boruto and Kawaki are now going to be living together, cohabitating is the word they use, with Ada <laughs> because she's on her way to Konoha and because she's so broken. And they're the only two who can fight against her because Otsutsuki are unable to be affected by her, you know, stand abilities, you know, whatever. Uh, they're going to have to live together. And it's just so childish. The way they're handling her, I mean, they make her just... And I've already complained about Ada before, not having that much depth. And I'm saying the art has gotten worse for Boruto as well. It's just that uh, Sumire looks awful in this. And that's a shame, because she's actually one of my favorite characters in the series, thanks to the anime, um, which I'm about almost 150 episodes into as we speak. So that's that. Uh, enough about the insanity of Boruto and their underage love. <laughs> we move on to Chainsaw Man, which you want to talk about an excellent, excellent series. It's probably my new word I'm going to have to get rid of at this point. Chainsaw Man has blown me away with the comedy. I wasn't expecting it, how great it was going to be. So uh, I think, uh, I can't remember when I last recorded what had happened, but uh, the scene between Denji and Yoshida about how uh, Denji wants people to know that he's Chainsaw Man. <laughs> it's just perfect because it's so in character for Denji. He just wants a girlfriend. And he figures the best way to do that is for people, if women know that he's Chainsaw Man, they'll just throw themselves all over him. So... Uh, Yoshida, obviously, with the team he's working for, who we still don't know all the particulars of at this moment, doesn't want Denji to do that. So he's trying to get him to stop, but it doesn't work because Denji is Denji. So Yoshida's new plan, when Denji breaks up, that he's just desperate for a girlfriend who wants a boyfriend, he brings Asa into the mix, which was perfect storytelling in that moment. I enjoyed just them playing off of each other, how, you know, Asa obviously has in interest in Chainsaw Man, but Denji is someone she's never met before. She thinks he's boorish. She thinks he's just some fanboy. And when he tells her that he is Chainsaw Man, of course she's not going to believe him, you know, unless, you know, pulls him out right there in front of her, all those chainsaws, like, and she just walks away. It's, oh, the comedy was just, Par excellence in this chapter. The Fujimoto is just the man. He can do no wrong at this point in time. <clears throat> so, 
Oh gosh, enough of that. Uh, the next series on the list. Well, unfortunately, I need a moment of silence, please. Thank you for your participation. <laughs> the Hunter's Guild Red Hood is dead. It is no more. It's sad for us all. <laughs> uh, there's a new series, two new series that started in Jump. I don't really like them that much, so I'm not going to uh, discuss either one of them. I'm kind of, I'm not dropping the Elusive Samurai, but I'm waiting for more chapters to drop out once in a while so I can just read them back to back because it's starting to lose my interest in it. So I think I'm going to start stop mentioning it on the podcast to see if I actually remember that later on. But Jujutsu Kaisen, we go into some Maki training still. That girl has got it. I, I'm enjoying it immensely. I've seen a lot of people really complain that, oh, no, she's just getting a power-up out of nowhere. It's like, really? You're going to focus on Maki being, you know, having this out of nowhere? Like, have you even been, like, reading the series? It's taken gradual time. It's taken training, like... She had to, you know, wipe out her entire clan and all these other terrible things to get to the state where she's at right now. It's, it's just childish. I mean, some of it is, you know, those, those guys who just can't handle strong women. Some of it's that. Uh, some of it may be legitimate criticism. I'd have to look a little more into it. But that's enough about Jujutsu Kaisen. Next up, we have Mashal, Magic and Muscles. And what a delight. Uh, Harry Potter, Harry Order, whatever his name is, we all know who he looks like, uh, provided an, a great chapter uh, this week with uh, fighting off what's-his-name, you know, one of those guys, you know, who knows their names, I'm not keeping notes, I should probably do better, but I'm not. <laughs> um, just uh, the clash of ideals, his line about how, um, you know, you can, I don't care if you do things, but don't expect there to not be consequences, was actually a really excellent line. I really enjoy where Magical is continuing to go. Next up is My Hero Academia. We continue with the resurrection of Bakugo plot, which, I don't know, man. It's just weird. I, I, I don't know what else I can say on it that hasn't been said. It's just, I don't know. It's not the direction I would have taken things. I mean, if I were... Um, <clears throat> if I were Horikoshi Sensei, I would have had him like immensely, like close to dying or something like that, but not dead, dead, so that this didn't happen. But we do have the return of Deku, and it seems that uh, a couple chapters ago, when he saw something in the distance heading towards him, they were more than likely Star and Stripes uh, pilot team, and they were able to get him here. That's what I'm guessing. I can't remember if that was actually confirmed in a chapter or not. Because uh, the, the final spread was him uh, just coming up to punch uh, Shigaraki there. Or Alpha One, or whichever one. They're two different locations. No, this should be Shigaraki, right? Who knows? Uh, next up, final one on the list for today will be One Piece. Uh, some excellent uh, lore as far as what's happening with, with Sabo. Uh, Luffy, of course, doesn't believe that his friend is capable of doing such a thing. I don't think Saba was either, and he, even if he did, there's probably a good reason behind the the death, the murder, so not too much there in One Piece, so that's enough of that. We'll move on to our main topic, which is from their top 100 anime list. This is numbers 90 through 81, but I would like to say before I start, I got a very positive reception uh, from our last episode, so I would like to thank everyone who reached out on that, um, uh, who is following us on Twitter 
and said, hey, I really liked uh, what you're doing here. Uh, had a lot of private messages from that as well. I guess for whatever reason, they didn't want to comment on the posts. So you know what? Have at it. I don't care. Have your fun. But thank you all so much for your support. It really means a lot. and what makes me want to keep doing what I'm doing. So I fully appreciate everything you have said. Uh, criticism and, you know, your praise. So I'm all for constructive criticism. Uh, obviously, people are like, why is this on the list? And, you know, I would talk to them about it. For the most part, we got along pretty well on that idea. So enough of that. We're moving on to number 90 on our list, which is Fist of the North Star. What a tremendously important anime to the world. It has so much influence on everything that comes along later um, in the industry, just the, the setting, the characters, um, just you with Kinshiro's journey from the very beginning on the search for his lost love, Yuria. Uh, what did, that is right, right? Yes, that's her name. Perfect. Um, no, uh, his continuing journey for the, uh, uh, oh gosh, his, his, why are words failing me right now? I'm heck with that. I can't remember in particular. So his particular fighting style uh, that he uses has always been just one of those, I mean, it's one of the earliest jokes in anime. Just like, you know, you're already dead. What, Nani? <laughs> Guy explodes. It's just perfect. Uh, there's that um, really excellent, uh, what was it? Uh, it was a Valentine's Day spoof it was like roses are red violets are blue uh, are blue omaiwa <laughs> moshinderu but as for the actual anime itself it was one of those i had watched um early on in my anime experience it was one of my first really long series that wasn't you know your bleaches or, or naruto's or one piece what have you and this post-apocalyptic setting has always that, that genre has always been one of my favorites um, I couldn't really tell you why in particular it is. Maybe it's because uh, my first example of that was that I'd ever really been interacting with a lot was The Stand uh, by Stephen King, and that's my favorite Stephen King book. I mean, I've written several books in a post-apocalyptic uh, post-apocalyptic setting. You know, just uh, my Azrael Chronicle series, just as one indication. But it just appeals to me and. Uh, in such a way it's like there are guns there are uh, different types of weapons around but what really settles the day in Fist of the North Star are your fists and your metal and your guts and your beliefs and seeing Kinshiro just walk into a city get accosted by some guy tap him like four to five times walk away and see the guy explode is one of the coolest things in the world and it doesn't get old I know it does for some people but I just enjoy seeing that intensity in that moment. This great, <laughs> just epic fight scenes abound in this show. Uh, you know, from all of his various rivals in the series, his brothers, those who had trained with him before the world went terribly. Fist of the North Star deserves accolades all over. But unfortunately, at the end, like it does meander along the way. Um, I know. Uh, I'm fairly certain in the anime there's a bit of filler there, so I have not read the manga proper, so if there's a huge difference between those two, please feel free to let me know. That might enhance my appreciation for it, but I do love Fist of North Star for what it is, so that is why it is my number 90. 
Next up is my number 89, which is Scrapped Princess. So I'm sure a lot of you are scratching your heads. What the heck is Scrapped Princess? Well, it takes place, what initially is a world, uh, your more typical fantasy setting. You've got uh, a young girl who's been adopted by an older brother and sister team um, who are traveling around. They're trying to keep her alive because there's a prophecy around that you know, if this young girl, I believe, if it's been a while since I've watched the show, but if she reaches a certain age, uh, then the world is going to end. But they don't believe in a prophecy. They've been in, uh, entrusted with the task of protecting Pacifica, uh, who is our main character in this series, and making sure she gets to where she needs to go uh, in her life so she gets the chance to live. And it follows a bunch of people uh, who are, you know, some people believe in a prophecy and one are dead. Some people are just mercenaries and others are part of the enigmatic organization behind the prophecy and the idea that if she is you know, able to age properly, then the world will end. So uh, there's one of the things I find most interesting about the series, so go ahead and skip ahead about uh, a minute or so if you are worried about spoilers, because this is a huge genre shift. So I'll go one, two, three, four, five. Uh, this switches from medieval fantasy to sci-fi <laughs> very quickly, uh, and it's about halfway through the show, and blew me away the first time that happened. I wasn't expecting anything like this to occur. There were a couple of bits of foreshadowing. I was just young, wasn't really paying attention that much, uh, but Scrap Princess brings all these things together uh, to have this, uh, essentially... It's almost a post-apocalyptic as well, but you're not aware of it until the truth about the world around them, since this world is controlled by these beings that defeated humanity a while back and want to keep them contained here, and they're so afraid of Pacifica because she has the potential to stop their power from being so absolute. So Scrap Princess is a very great series. I, I don't see a lot of people talking about it. It's a little harder to get into. It's not one of my favorites outside of you know when I say not one of my favorites in my top 100 favorites I mean like there's a reason it's not higher than what it is and it's held back there's some things like uh, the romances in the show like they're just more like they're for flavor no nothing is really official uh, other than like some hints and stuff like that and I hate when series do that not that romance is my primary concern but if you're gonna have it have a resolution uh, the plot as well gets a little bit uh, convoluted at the end. It's fine, but I do really enjoy Scrap Princess. I would definitely, if someone who was uh, an anime veteran wanted the show, I'd throw it their way so they could see it. So that was our number 89. Our number 88 is Kenichi, uh, The Mightiest Disciple. What a fun series. I watched this, oh gosh, it's been... It was after college, yeah, a couple of years after college, and just was, I think it was on Hulu at the time, I was just watching it, and was blown away by how fun it was, like, like, charmingly fun for this kid, Kenichi, who is, you know, a weakling, has nothing going on in his life, just a ridiculously average guy, which you typically have as an anime protag, but then he actually learns he actually grows through the experience of course Mew is one of the best girls in anime she's in my top 10 uh, for a reason but 
just going through all these really quirky masters. Uh, I was always an Akasame guy. I really, sorry, words are just failing me right now. <laughs> but it goes through Kenichi's training. He's, he's this nobody, so he goes to this martial arts dojo and gets trained by some of the worst people he could possibly do that from. As in, like, they are intense. And he dies several times in the midst of training. <laughs> Which you wouldn't typically see in your average shonen. Uh, but it's just super enjoyable uh, seeing his growth, seeing Yu's growth, uh, the couple of the, the caster characters they bring along the way that ends up joining the Shinpaku Alliance. Makes for a very fun show. Uh, the masters, like I've said before, are really great. Uh, the villains, sometimes they... It depends. Some of them are really good. You, you you get why they're doing what they're doing. Others are like, I'm here, I'm evil, and that's it. Not too much depth there. Then uh, the other side characters ended up joining the Shinpaku Alliance. They're not the greatest in depth, but they're fun. It's just a fun show. But some of the things that do hinder it from being higher on the list, number one is one of my biggest pet peeves for anime, and that is excessive fan service. Now, that's not like every single episode. You know, there's you know, some girls losing all their clothes. Like, you know, as much as I do like uh, Fire Force, you don't have a Tomoki character who I really don't like. Either, no matter what the author said in his writer on board scene in those final chapters, which you anime onlys will see eventually, I hope. But it, it's very distracting. It's like, once again, I have nothing against the idea of Echi um, to an extent. You can have it in there. But if it's the focus of a series, that just means you have nothing to sell me on. You don't have interesting characters for me to go on. Like, uh, for instance, I just recently finished Infinite Stratus. And i got to say, that's the only thing that show has going for it is this waifu game. Because <laughs> they're very pretty designs. But as far as the show goes, it has no depth. Our MC is one of those typical ridiculously average guys who are the only ones who can do things. So even though girls aren't the only ones who can do it, it's just bad. But focusing on Kenichi, uh, other things that kind of, I had mentioned before, some of the characters aren't as great as they could be, villain-wise. So that's that for uh, Kenichi there. We'll move on from Kenichi to number 87 on our list, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6. Yes, I am so glad the anime is airing right now. The unfortunate part is that Netflix Jail has ruined a lot of the hype around it. It's just really, it really angers me how it's been handled. Because David Production is on their A-game with it, and as of this recording, it has not been finished anime-wise. But obviously I've read through the manga because I've read part 7 and 8 as well. I'm really waiting for part 9. But it's just so infuriating how they're doing this because Jolene is one of the best JoJo's we have and I know there will be several parts above part 6 in this list and if you don't know why I have it separate go ahead and refer to our first video for that video <laughs> our first podcast episode about my top 100 to see the rules but it's immensely frustrating because I love uh, Jolene's charisma I love her uh, tactical mind. Uh, she definitely takes after her dad as much as she doesn't want to admit it. I love Hermes. I love Foo Fighters. They just work great as a team together. Poochie is one of the best villains that Araki has ever made. Uh, and I find him 
particularly interesting uh, due to my own faith in Christianity. And then you see this man who is essentially swindled uh, by Dio's philosophies to back away from something. Uh, of course, uh, I should say uh, spoilers for part six for those of you who are anime only. Uh, so go ahead and skip, I don't know, two, three minutes ahead. Depending on how long I talk about this, you hear Jolene or Jojo or Made in Heaven or something like that, you should probably move forward. But Pucci uh, really strikes me as one of those conflicted anime characters that could have gone a different way if things had just been different in his life. And, of course, his relationship with Weather Report, that'll happen later on, is one of the greatest parts of Part 6. Because, you know, you got the typical amnesia, I don't know why I'm here. But then you you learn all the, the racism that was involved and where the reports passed and Pucci's past and how they were handled in this. It's just amazing. And Foo Fighters, uh, uh, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but she is one of my favorite JoJo, excuse me, Joe Bros. It's just... So her, her, the way she looks at things is just so funny. Obviously, being a bunch of plankton in a woman's body, you can have the whole she-they argument. Uh, I'm just using she because that's what you know. I was, I don't know, raised on. <laughs> as far as, <laughs> let me clarify what I mean by that. As far as what I've read in part six, all the translations I saw use she. I know the dub is using they, and you know that's whatever. But. Uh, She's such an interesting concept of, you know, this sapient group of Plankton together learning how to be human, and her death is just awful. I hate it, but at the same time, it fits the story, it fits the plot, and Araki knew what he was doing there. I'm actually, uh, later on, there's going to be a certain stand that can make fictional characters come to life, and I'm super ready to see how they David Productions handles it um, because obviously in the manga they refer to Disney but they're probably not going to be able to get away with that in the anime so since they're owned actually by Warner Brothers right now I'm curious to see if they're going to instead of Mickey reference Bugs Bunny instead that'd be super fun and then of course you get to uh, Poochie's whole plan of making uh, heaven uh, having people ascend to heaven and part of that is to get rid of the Joestar bloodline because he's so angry at Jotaro for killing Dio this man that he worships that uh, it is heavily implied and I'm going to say he did uh, just from my reading of the text had a, a relationship sexual relationship with and uh, to see how he handles uh, Jolene and Jotaro and all these things it's part of my, my gripes would be how some of it was handled. I feel like everyone should have been involved at the end in the Joestar bloodline. But you know what? That's that's it. Focusing on the positives right now. Um, and like I said, Jolene herself is a very dynamic character from how she starts in this you know, young brat who's just angry at her parents for being divorced. She doesn't like her dad because he's never around. But then she learns why dad isn't around. And that changes her entire world love it now unfortunately one of the things i'll move on to my negatives at this point uh, in the middle it does get a little uh meandering uh 
slow in its plot. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of uh, the, what was it, Yo-Yo Ma? Was that the Feng Shui Dragon one? And all that. It just, when I was reading the manga initially, and it's a lot better in anime form, it just was so slow and it dragged on and I didn't like that part. So that's one of the reasons why it's not as high up on my list. The others would be um, the ending. It's hit or miss for people. I do ultimately enjoy it, but it's not what I would have wanted. Like, definitely if, you know, Poochie's grudge against the Joe Stars had been as big as it was, more would have been involved in that sense. And of course, you get a part where uh, Dio's uh, bastard sons are all essentially summoned uh, to Florida for uh, part of Poochie's plans. But the most obvious one is not there. And of that being, of course, Giorno who would have been such a great use in that final fight, and I think Araki didn't want that to happen. So that's it for that. JoJo's uh, Part 6, excellent, excellent part. But unfortunately does not make it any higher. Next up will be number 86, Great Teacher Onizuka. Uh, this one I recently finished within the last year. Uh, it's better. Great Teacher Onizuka, who... <laughs> is this former teen rebel who has managed to become a teacher. He does not dress like he's supposed to. He's your rebel still. <laughs> you know, but he gets results, dang it. He's a maverick. And it goes to him and his goal of becoming the greatest teacher in Japan. So he's got the rowdiest group of high school students to deal with, you know, some of which, you know, try and put the moves on him. Some of which are just there to like cheat and get their grades, you know, higher than they should be. Some of them are thugs, like he was back in the day. And to see how he handles that um, intensity in this moment, so great. So he gets on and just continues his journey of how how he learns to be a better teacher, um, how he learns to you know somewhat respect authority, and everything that's involved with that. I can't remember any of the students' names off the top of my head. They were, they were fun, you know, additions to the cast, but unfortunately, just not memorable enough right now for me to call them out by name. But um, see, what else can I say about this series? Well, why don't I have it ranked higher? Well, ultimately, there are some things there that are a little scummy for the time, uh, as far as how younger women are treated, women in general are treated. It's it's of its time, let's just say that. And it is one of the things kind of holding it back uh, from being higher on the list. So that's, I, I know a lot of people do have it in their top 10 or top 20, but I'm going to go against the grain there. And we'll do that and move on to the next one on our list, which is Mobile Suit Gundam Double uh, Zero. Or Zero Zero or OO if you prefer. What a fun series. I watched this on its initial run. Uh, I believe it was Sci-Fi Channel at the time. They had their Anamondays that they did. Uh, that's how I got into uh, uh, Garin Lagan, Now and Then Here and There, Monster. Um, a couple other series that I watched in there, but those are the ones that are coming to mind right now. But as far as uh, Gundam 00 is concerned, great ensemble cast here. Uh, I'll save that for my negatives but you got you have Setsuna you have Alleluia 
uh, Tiaria and Lockdown as our main Gundam protags. Uh, plot being that they have come there to stop war from ever happening again with these suits that are far more powerful than anything that's out on the market right now. Such a great premise, um, which flies in the face of other Gundam shows because, I mean, essentially we are looking at the terrorists as our protags outside of, I mean, you could argue in other series they do that, but for the most part, I mean, Gundam Wing definitely, yes, you could argue that. But, you know, Amuro is just on a different side of the war. Uh, same thing with Camille and Judo, so on and so forth. But these guys, they are trying to fight a war to prevent war from ever happening again, which is such a cool concept that obviously it's never going to happen because humans are humans. But in, this, in the lore of the show, there are these uh, things called innovates of things, or they're people who are uh, kind of artificially created. You learn Thierry is one. Uh, our first big bad, of this, our real big bad of the series is one as well. So... It's just enjoyable as it goes from the first season to the second season. We do lose some characters along the way. Uh, some replacements show up for them. It's just a really fun journey to see, like, is it possible for humans to stop fighting? Is it possible for us all to get along together? Uh, is it possible for war to never be a thing again? And your mileage may vary, as mine does, on whether or not that works. That's one of the reasons why I have it so low on the list. The other would be it's inconsistent characterization with people and their lack of characterization for that most part. Alleluia, after he saves Marie, uh, kind of just drops off and he's there, but does nothing. Um, i trying to think of who else. Like the, the Trinity siblings, you know, they have their moment. The Nana's the only one left. And she joins up with Wong Lumei, and that's about it. And I really liked them uh, early on because they had this thing where they were just, they were focused, but unfortunately, without the pills, the proper medical protection, they would go off and do things that were terrible. But that was about it. Uh, as well, see, uh, the movie was fine. So it's unfortunate. It just doesn't get any higher. Uh, on my list. So we'll move on to number 84, which is a very entertaining series of Basilisk. This one takes place in feudal Japan. It is uh, a war between the Iga and Koga clans, who have, uh, for the sake, I believe, of the Shogunate, are, there's, there's an attempt early on. They've been warring for centuries. Some covertly, some openly. But now they're trying to have this marriage between their clans and, you know, just <clears throat> find peace for once. But then, of course, the high aboves cause problems because that's what leaders do for the most part. So they're forced to war against each other again. Even though our main uh, characters, uh, Genosuke and Obero, do love each other immensely, they're forced on opposite sides of this war. So we have a Romeo and Juliet situation here. For our Montagues and Capulets, we have, you know, the the uh, Koga and Niga. And you got a lot of fun side characters here. Not a lot of depth to a lot of them. To some of them, I should say. Uh, unfortunately, that's kind of the case you get. Some people have to die early. Uh, some people will last long but do nothing. But the fights in this series are intense well animated and 
a sight to behold. I haven't watched this since the first time I saw it uh, about a decade ago, so maybe my opinions would have changed later on, who knows, but I rarely rewatch series. But I do remember watching Basilisk for the first time and seeing all this go down and just in awe of what I was watching. It was so intense, it was so enthralling, and you have betrayals, you have romance, you have fighting, you have all these inner conflicts that just work together to make a really fun story. Now, uh, the reason it's so down on this list, um, it's not because of the ending. I'll, I'll say that because I'm not really a fan of downer endings. And for the most part, it depends on the series. It depends on if it's earned. And this one, it is definitely earned to have a downer ending. And obviously, if one of your uh, inspirations, as it were, is Romeo and Juliet, Depending on whether or not you see that as a comedy or a tragedy, <laughs> things aren't going to end well. But like I mentioned earlier, just so many characters, just they exist. There's not too much depth to them, so it's not that fun uh, watching them. But it does get a little too gory, to, from what I recall, for its own good. Not a big, that big fan of that, so we'll move on from Basilisk to number 83, which is Blood Plus. I watched this initially on Toonami, but I got in a couple episodes late when it first ran. So if you remember my old people, back in the day, what they used to do on YouTube <laughs> is they would uh, upload episodes about, you know, you know it would be like uh, Naruto episode 37, episode one, excuse me, episode 37, one out of two. <laughs> before YouTube became the, uh, the what it is today which is such a disappointment but you know back in the day you just do get away with this so that's how I caught up with the episodes I had missed before on Blood Plus which in our series here we have you know our vampires are called Chiropterans and Saya is our main vampire character who's mixing in with the human world she has some amnesia because you know protagonist stuff and I can't say anything against that because I've done it myself for my writing but you learn eventually along the way just how important she is to the Chiropteran race while she is actively killing them right now uh, the Chevalier system is such a cool idea of it's essentially like what Dracula would do with Renfield but then it actually gives them powers as well so amazing to see those fights uh, Haji is a really great character uh, Kai as well you know, working together to for, with Saya to save the world. It does drag on a little bit near the end. Uh, the Schiff are, they're fine as an idea, but the follow-through, not so much. And of course, you have that really controversial scene with uh, Diva, Saya's twin sister, opposite, uh, doing some, well, let's say rather heinous uh, sexual acts on uh, poor Riku that results in the birth of a child. Well, two children, because that's how chiropteran queens work, apparently. Uh, makes sense in the story. So I'm not going to say, because unfortunately, uh, when it comes to the idea of sexual assault rape in a show, sometimes it's handled well, sometimes it's handled rather poorly. And I would say at the end of the day, Blood Plus handles it a lot better than other series, because it is treated 
especially since it's a man, well, a young boy in this case, who is uh, attacked in this instance. Other series would say, like, oh, good for you, man, you just got laid. Like, no, that's hor horrible regardless of where it happens, of who it happens to. And that is treated with care. And uh, I don't want to focus solely on that one scene, but it is something shocking that is brought up there. And I do know there's some people, if they want to check something out, would be upset if I didn't warn them in advance that it does occur. So enough of that. Uh, for Blood Plus, it's just really fun. If you want to see you know, our young uh, protag just go up against vampires, well, chiropterans, whatever, killing them with a sword where she has to use her own blood to get inside the special groove. Oh, yes. It's just beautifully animated. The fights are amazing. Characters are really compelling. I really recommend Blood Plus, but there are a lot of really great series above it, so it can only be ranked so high. Uh, which brings us to our number uh, 82 for the evening, which is SSSS Dinozenon. What a great show. Now, of course, this is a spinoff of SSSS Gridman, which, of course, is a uh, anime spinoff of the original uh, tokusatsu show, which is really fun. I mean, it's quirky 90s um, tokusatsu kids show. Don't go, <laughs> don't go into it expecting it to reinvent the wheel. It just, it serves its purpose. But as for Dinozenon, uh, as a follow-up to Gridman, so much better. Uh, in fact, Gridman is not on my list for my top 100. I did consider it at one point in time, but uh, it just fell off along the way compared to other ones. And Dinosenon, in my opinion, is just way better. The characters are better. Uh, the plot is tighter. You get uh, really great action scenes here, well animated. The mecha fights are really impressive. The kaiju fights are really impressive. I love the, the kaiju hunters, uh, whatever their name is. Uh, so can, to control them. Um, then we have, of course, our um, from our cast of characters, Galma is kind of the, the leader of the group, which, by the way, uh, there's a random scene in there. If you don't watch the original uh, Tokusatsu show, you're not going to understand that he is actually a character briefly in that show in the form of a mummy. And that's why he's dressed as he is. So I watched this before I watched that. So watching that, the the original Tokusatsu show, in heightened my appreciation for this series because otherwise you just can be kind of lost. It's like, what does that mean? Then of course we have our our real main protags of uh, Yume and Yamogi uh, working together. You know, and she's trying to figure out what happened to her sister. He's trying to understand what's going on with, you know, suddenly being given all this power to control Dinozenon and working together with this and liking Yume but not wanting to trample over her feelings. Such a great romance. I do love the two of them together a lot. Uh, great show. Highly recommend SSS Dinozenon. But we only have one more for this episode, and that is number 81, which is Record of Grand Crest War. Excellent. <laughs> There's that word again. Series. I absolutely fell in love watching this show. Uh, I believe it was on Netflix at the time. I don't know if that's changed. But I was expecting absolutely nothing. I just wanted something on in the background while I was getting stuff done. And every now and then I'd, I'd 
look up at the screen, go, oh, that's a lot better. And I would be focused more on that than the other stuff I was doing. And Record of Conquest War, you could definitely, I don't see a lot of people talking about it. Uh, one, because I'm sure they haven't seen it, and the ones that have seen it kind of get a little uppity, some of them. Others of them uh, more in the opposite of, I hate this and no one should ever watch it. As for me, why I rate it so positively is its great cast of characters, uh, Theo, <clears throat> uh, Theo and Saluka, right? Saluka. Yes, that's her name. Are really great foils for one another. Their romance is super impressive, especially because it's like eight episodes in when they confess to each other or something like that, which is crazy for anime. And when that happened, it blew my mind. It's like, when was the last time this happened? It's so great. I, They work well together. Um, uh, backing up as, you know, uh, knight and mage in this war to, you know, control uh, the various countries around them. You've got a ton of court intrigue. You've got political intrigue. You've got warfare. You've got fight scenes. You've got magic being thrown around. All these uh, interesting various locales across the world to explore as they just try to find a way to bring peace to a world that has none of it and of course humans being humans like i mentioned earlier it's never going to happen but you know in anime you just kind of want you don't want what's the word i'm looking for here you don't want like uh here's something that's not on this on this list and that's gun the mage uh, and that's because at the very end it really breaks apart and how it brings peace to the world. Uh, because uh, in direct contrast to the first two protagonists of the series, because it goes one, two, three, uh, in its 50-some episode run, uh, who just, he just preaches about, why can't people just understand each other? And eventually they understand each other without a reason for why they should understand each other. This one is more like, yeah, uh, war is bad, but it's the only way we're going to solve this conflict, so we're going to get things done. And peace isn't ever going to totally be about, but... We're going to make as much as we can, so I can appreciate that. And like I had said before, just uh, I do love Theo and Saluka's uh, friendship, their, uh, their love for one another, their uh, eventual marriage. Uh, I can't remember if the series ends on that or not. It's been a while since I've watched it. But it comes highly recommended from me. Now, what does drag it down is the story itself sometimes does drag on a little bit too much. It focuses too much on people that don't matter. Uh, it brings up people from all over places like, what's your name? Uh, sorry, I don't really care about you. Uh, what do you bring to this equation here? As well as there's some uh, magic babble, techno babble in there. And it's sometimes get a, gets a little too bad when they're trying to explain things. Like sometimes you just get too bogged down on the explanations rather than just letting such a thing breathe as it is. So ultimately that's why it's as low on the list as it is. But I would highly praise uh, Record of Conquest War for its themes, for everything that it does to create a really good story that's fun to enjoy. But that's it for this. Uh, that was uh, my top anime, numbers 90 through 81. Uh, we are the Starving Writers Guild podcast. We are writers helping other writers. Uh, you can find us at starvingwritersguild.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the Starving Writers Guild podcast. I'm your host, MC. I'm also joined by uh, John Alexander and Barbara Page, my fellow writers and friends.
You can find our books on Amazon.com as well as our website, StarfingWritersGuild.com. If you would, please leave a five-star review on the platform. We really appreciate that. Uh, wherever you're listening, just please do that. Uh, until next time, see ya. <laughs>